So thank you, Nora, for that reading this morning from Mark's Gospel, the first chapter, and uh, we're still immersing ourselves in the New Testament in reading together this Immersed Messiah book, and we're about halfway through now, and it's been interesting uh, from, from my own point of view and also from talking to others as well. Just um, it's important, I think, not to beat ourselves up if we uh, aren't reading it or aren't reading all of it, uh, but also as well, I know that um, there's a, an opportunity for us to perhaps change some of the way, some of the patterns in which we live. I know one of the challenges for me is to watch less TV and to read more of the Bible. And in that, uh, to really find the truth of God washing over us, which is such a fantastic thing. Another course that we're doing at the moment, we did one last year online, we're doing one this year as well, there's a group of us that meet on a Tuesday night here, is called Keys to Freedom. And uh, it's published by Mercy UK. Mercy UK is an organization which really helps people to, to step out of places of, I suppose, uh, being spiritually or, or emotionally stuck um, because of some things that, um, are just hard sometimes to deal with. And I think that uh, as we do the course, and I've discovered this myself, that actually that it's wonderful to find the keys to freedom that God has given us. And one of the most important keys He's given us is the key of forgiveness. I want to read for you just an extract from the story of a lady called Jane who was struggling with the issue of whether to choose to forgive. I remember the day the journey to true forgiveness started. Don't get me wrong, I wanted to start many times before, but I just couldn't get to the place of feeling ready enough. It was one of my biggest frustrations, the tension between wanting to forgive in the hope of greater freedom and not feeling ready enough to let go, only to risk being hurt or disappointed again. My anger and pain over what had happened to me in my life had become a comfort to me. It reminded me that what happened to me was real and the strength of those feelings drove me to be strong, to overcome and to protect myself from harm. What would I be without anger and pain? Vulnerable, a victim. If I released forgiveness, would I stop being the person I had become, who, although I felt small and afraid on the inside, had at least come to some semblance of existence on the outside? After many years of not forgiving, either because I didn't want to or because I didn't know how, I had come to feel relatively safe behind the fortifications I had built around my life. I had made vows that promised I would never be hurt like that again. Judgments that said it wasn't safe to trust anyone. Beliefs that although God said He loved me, I would always need to keep something back for myself just in case He didn't come through. To forgive would be to surrender the very foundations of these fortifications, the source of their strength and my ownership of them. To forgive would be to hand it all to God 
and trust that he would be my vindicator, defender, and healer. How could I ever feel ready for that? In time, and with the support of the Mercy UK program, Jane did come to choose to forgive. She came to realize that forgiveness is not a feeling, it's a choice. And she realized that she alone held the key to her freedom, that God had given her the opportunity and the power in Jesus Christ to do just that. And so courageously, she took that step. She describes the moment sitting in a, a quiet room by herself, and she said, my fists were clenched, my heart was thumping, and through grinding teeth, I started to speak out loud to God and to myself that I forgave the person who had hurt me. Day after day, she did the same. Until she started to discover that forgiveness began to flow. And after a period of time, she found herself praying with compassion that the person who had hurt her so deeply would find peace with God. Now she says, forgiveness keeps my heart soft and sensitive to God's voice in my day-to-day -day life and opens the way for that same sensitivity in all of my relationships, whether with God, myself, or others. I imagine all of us have come to the conclusion that life can be harsh that we will all suffer some degree of hurt and pain along the way. Whether it's caused by neglect, betrayal, abuse, disappointment, our own sinfulness and selfishness, lies, grief, gossip, whatever it happens to be, the list could go on and on and on. And I imagine that most, if not all of us, could probably put a name to a face for virtually all of those things in our lives. Here's the truth though, the level of damage that we sustain in life is not so much dependent on the severity of the offense against us, it's dependent on how we react to that offense. If we choose not to forgive, we allow erosion of our souls, decay to kill us slowly from the inside as we live a life that's based on destructive lies. The source of those lives, lies, Scripture tells us, is Satan, our enemy, who desires to disrupt God's blessing in our lives and ultimately seeks our destruction. As Jesus says, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. 
I have come that you may have life and have it in all of its fullness. Satan wants us to keep drinking the poisonous cup of unforgiveness day after day after day under the false illusion that it will hurt the one with whom we are angry. The name Satan from Hebrew Scripture comes from the same root as the word slander. Satan is the slanderer whose biggest lie is that God is not good. The truth that we've been immersing ourselves in, particularly over these last number of weeks, is that God is good. He is constantly seeking to bless us and to heal us. He is not the author of our pain. God is not the author of your pain. He is good. He is perfect. He has never done a wrong thing. He has only done good to you and I since the day we were conceived. It was never in God's will that you be hurt or rejected or scarred by another person or a set of circumstances. His love for you, in fact, is so great that he sent his son, Jesus, to do good and to heal all who were oppressed by the devil. And that means every single human being. At Keys to Freedom, on Tuesday evening, as we prayed at the end of our time together, a picture arose in my mind of a large body of water in behind a door. The water represented, I believe, the Father's healing, life-giving mercy and generosity given to us through the death and resurrection of Jesus. If we hold back forgiveness from others, then the door remains closed. If we forgive, then the door, with the waves of God's loving generosity and kindness, wash over us and bring new life. As Jane's story illustrates, forgiveness takes courage and a willingness to trust God and His ways. From the perspective of our broken world, forgiveness looks like defeat, like giving up, like saying the pain isn't real, that it doesn't matter, that justice will never be done. But that's a lie. Forgiveness declares that the pain is real, that justice should and will be done, and that we give both our pain and our cry for justice to the Lord. We leave it with Him. And as we do that, we find that He is strong enough to look after it all, that He can be trusted, that He is pure love, that He is the God of all justice. And as we open ourselves up to God, we also discover that not only are we victims in this broken world, we are also perpetrators. 
We have caused hurt to others by our words, by our actions, and by our lack of them. Here's the thing. The one whom we have hurt most of all is God himself. We have believed terrible lies about God. We have caused suffering to him, to others, and to ourselves. And yet, as we encounter the risen Lord Jesus, who gave his life for us, we come to understand that God sent his Son into the world not to judge and not to condemn, but to save. Jesus is the door to God's mercy and loving kindness. Through him comes mercy and healing and life by the power of his Holy Spirit. As our scripture passage says, he has come to immerse us, to baptize us in the love of God, the Spirit of God, the presence of the Father. Jesus lived a life of forgiveness. He died declaring forgiveness over us all. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. As that wonderful hymn goes, there is a green hill far away. The third verse says, He died that we may be forgiven. He died to make us good, that we might go at last to heaven, saved by his precious blood. Jesus came that the power of forgiveness would be released in our lives. The most important part of having that forgiveness and power released in our lives is simply to trust that God is good. As we often say here, God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. He is the God of all love. He is the God of all mercy. And he's the God of all justice. It's about trusting in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and knowing that victory comes through defeat, that life comes through death, that joy comes through suffering. It's about declaring that Jesus Christ is Lord. The second thing as we, as we do at the start of every 10 o'clock service is to utilize the gift of confession. One of the things that we're being reminded of and discovering so powerfully and which is something which is wonderfully woven into our form of worship in the Anglican Church is the power of speaking out truth. It's wonderful that within Anglican liturgy we we pray truth, we declare truth, we shout truth, we speak truth, we sing truth. 
And the greatest truths we've been saying over and over again in this service are that God is good. That his loving mercy endures forever. How do we move into this place of releasing the burden that we've placed on ourselves of unforgiveness? The place where we start, Jesus tells us, is by speaking out. By speaking out blessing over the people that we sense have hurt us. It's such a powerful thing to go to a quiet place by ourselves, whether it's inside or outside or whatever it happens to be, whether we whisper it, whether we shout it, we just be guided by the Holy Spirit and we speak out as Jane did, if necessary, through gritted teeth and through clenched fists, I forgive that person. And we do it day after day after day after day until breakthrough comes. And we also confess, as we've done in this service already, asking God to forgive us for the hurt that we have caused to God himself and to others for the lies that we have believed about him. And finally, we confess that we forgive ourselves for what we have done or for what we haven't done. It is such a powerful thing to speak it out audibly to God and to ourselves. That's why the Bible says, confess your sins and confess your sins even to one another so that you will be healed. Healing comes through confession. If you have someone that you can speak to who is confidential and trustworthy, it can be a very powerful thing to speak out confession, to confess our desire to forgive and our difficulty in doing that, but our decision to do so. Or to speak about the pain that we've encountered or the hurt that we've caused to others. It's such an important gift the Lord has given us, the gift of confession. And also the gift of prayer to pray for those who have hurt us. To pray that those whom we have hurt would forgive us. And so we're going to move into a time of prayer. And in this time, perhaps even as we've been reflecting Perhaps some names or faces have come to mind. They may be alive, they may be dead. It matters not whether they, whether they were ever repentant about what they did. It makes no difference. 
the ball of forgiveness is firmly in your court and in your court alone. Only you can play the ball. Unforgiveness will erode your soul and slowly destroy you. Trust that God is good. Trust that forgiveness is possible. Trust that God is the God of justice and leave your heart cry for justice to him. And pray for those who have caused hurt and pray for those whom we have hurt in the name of Jesus Christ. And I believe as we do that, the door will be opened afresh. The waves of the Holy Spirit will flow and we will discover healing and mercy and life in the name of Jesus Christ. We will discover what it means to live sensitively in the presence of the Holy Spirit. We'll become increasingly like Jesus and find that as people turn towards us, perhaps with unthinkingness or hatred or bitterness or whatever, that we will discover that we've already forgiven them even before it happens. We will discover that we have become more and more like Jesus Christ and that we are growing in the nature of forgiveness and that what the devil has designed to destroy us will not succeed. Instead, we will look to God and trust in him and confess our sin and confess our need for him to help us to forgive other people. Let us pray.